Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on wedding invitation wording, including information cards with a gift, when to start eating buffet style, and changing shower plans because of changed wedding plans. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on tricky foods A through C. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, your extra question of the week is about RSVPs when you are the host and the guest of honor. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. What is this chipmunk in our show notes? Are we talking chipmunks in the intro? I am a mighty, mighty hunter. (laughs) Oh! With a catch it live trap. Oh, thank goodness. I like chipmunks. I know that they end up eating all the strawberries in my mother's garden, but we happen to really be fans of the chipmunks and think that they bring good luck to your garden. So we we have a little sign that says chipmunk crossing. Well, that was the spirit that chipmunk appeared in our show notes. Yeah. I am watching my parents' house while they're on this cross-country bike trip that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Nice. And I also just wanted to do a a shout out to John and Cindy who are probably in Arizona by now. Okay. Oh, sunny, warm, dry. I got a picture of the Texas-New Mexico border. They send state crossing texts. Totally. And this means they're in the final two weeks, the home stretch of this cross-country ride. Mm -hmm. But this show should catch them while they're still on their bike. So I wanted to say... Tally-ho. Finish strong. Exactly. All those good things. (laughs) And... We had run into a little situation. Their house was showing signs. <laughs> of which, what was spring revealing up at the Red House? Yeah, everything's waking up. I had been noticing these little droppings that were from something bigger than a mouse. Ah, gotcha. It spooked my father a little bit to hear about it. He said, we need to do something about that. I said, you're absolutely right. We need to do something about that. We can't let it sit till you get home. And he had a have a heart trap that he thought was in the basement. I couldn't find it. I had to go get a new one. I put it up 12 hours later. There was a very chunky little chipmunk in this have a heart cage. <laughs> the fun part of the whole experiment and experience was I brought Anisha down with me to, to take it out. And she has these little calico critters that she absolutely loves. They're yeah. these little velveted critters and there's little bunnies and little bears and the chipmunks are our favorite. So this was a chance to get up close and personal with a real live chipmunk. Yeah. She asked me, am I going to be scared? 
<laughs> That's hysterical. I said, no, you're not going to be scared. It's going to be in a box. It can't get you. We can just look at it. We can just see it. And we can't touch it. <laughs> no. Although by the time we'd been looking at it for a little bit, she's like, little eyes, little nose. She wanted it in her hand. Uh, I said, no, we really can't do that. But yeah. Disney moments only go so far with animals. <laughs> they should be natural in their natural environments. <laughs> so we drove our chipmunk friend out to my uncle's feel the edge of my uncle's feel we opened the door and it ran off into the woods and we said run free chipmunk run free <laughs> the chipmunk's probably sitting there going man i just lost the nicest house I oh had. it was the cushiest game <laughs> i'm sure it was fat for a reason <laughs> I, I started calling it a red squirrel because it was such a fat little chipmunk <laughs> that's very very cute well Spring is definitely waking up around here. It's I, the second coming of mud season is what I think of it. <laughs> but, well, you keep thinking it's here and then another foot of snow comes and we get a second mud season and I'm fingers crossed thinking maybe that's over. I'm hoping, I'm hoping we're drying out soon. It would be really, really nice. Well, because I hate to do this to you, but should we spring into some questions? Oh, so bad. Yes, we definitely should. <laughs> Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Please also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, please remember to put sustaining member in your message. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. 
Our first question today is about wedding wording. Hi, I am driving myself crazy over this, but cannot find the correct answer. On our wedding invitation, is it correct to use our or their? For example, Mr. and Mrs. John Smith, Mr. and Mrs. Tom Grant, invite you to share in our joy or invite you to share in their joy at the marriage of our children or at the marriage of their children, etc., etc. Can you please inform me? Thank you so much. Susan, mother of the groom. Susan, I'm so happy to have such an easy answer for you. First of all, congratulations to your son and his betrothed. This is an exciting time. It's wonderful that all four parents are sharing the joys of hosting this. However, with formal invitations, and it sounds like that's what you're doing, they tend to be in the third person. And so you want the entire invitation to read in the third person. Often a much more casual invite will use the hour language. Language. It's it's not unheard of to see it in there, but for a more formal and when I think when you're speaking about kind of this larger group, it just ends up being uh, there as opposed to our. I love it. A simple answer. There is a tradition. There is a form. There is a custom here. If you want that more personal feel, if you want to go more informal, that option is certainly there for you. But the tradition is pretty clear. It's true. And um, this is another place where just remember that an invitation actually ends up being a sentence. It ends up being a full sentence explaining what you're being invited to. So that's a nice way whenever you get a little bit stuck um, to kind of remember it. We hope that this helps and we hope that the wedding is a ton of fun. You read me some of those letters. I think they were pretty sharp. But there's a difference between reading letters and writing them. Walter, how do you write such good social letters? Well, Nora, it's a talent. Our next question is about a business card with gift. Hello. When purchasing an item from a craft fair or small business, they often include a business card. Is that something one should include when gifting the item? Sometimes it is nice to know how unique the gift is or where it came from or its story, but I don't want the gift to feel like an advertisement. Note that this is not for a multi-level company product, but for something like a handmade product. Always love your various points of view on topics. Best, Anne. Anne, I love this question. I can picture exactly what you're talking about. I buy a lot of presents at crafts fairs and little events that happen around Vermont. And it is such a feature when you buy that handmade thing that oftentimes there's a, a little bit of information, oftentimes on a business card. Sometimes that card even has like a hole punch in it yep. and it's a attached string. to it with yep. a little bit of ribbon or string. There isn't a, a solid rule here. I think you're thinking about the important things. You don't want something to seem too advertise You don't include receipts that tell you how much you paid for something when you yeah. give a gift. At the same time, it could be really nice to know this is the artist. This is the studio where this came from. I say judge it on a case-by-case basis. And if the addition of that little card, that information is beautiful or teaches you something or gives you a little more information about the gift that adds to it, adds to its value in some way, absolutely. I say include it. 
I think that when you are in that position of wow, but I really want the information on the card. I want to keep it. I want to know about this artist. Then what I would do is just snap a little picture of it for yourself, and then you can include the card with the gift. But I would not worry about it making the gift look more like an advertisement.、Um, I think that it helps to just give、um, give the person who's receiving it a sense of where it came from. So as Dan says, you can judge it on each one. If that feels like something that you want to have be a part of this gift, the idea of where it came from, so the person can search the artist or, you know, get in touch or seek it out on their own, then I'd include it. And if not, then you can happily leave it out. I'm thinking about a little.、Uh... Terrarium that I got from Cindy, <laughs>、oh, so、sort of handblown glass, and there were little succulents in a little sand. That card had information about how often, or in this case, how seldom care you wanted to water it. <laughs>、yes. Was really important to、yeah. have. <laughs> Dan's like, I needed that card. Good call, mom. <laughs> I like it, and we hope that this helps. And happy gifting. And that's why I think manners are important. That's what I think too. Especially after what happened at a playground. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/specialoffer. All lowercase. That's Shopify.com/specialoffer. Our next question is about when to begin. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you so much for all the great etiquette advice over the years. Who determines when to start eating? Is it the host or the guest of honor? In a family setting, let's say the guest of honor starts eating as soon as she sits down, but the host hasn't yet sat down and been given the chance to pray as he normally does. Do you start eating or wait until the host sits? It's in a family setting. If that makes a difference, my in-laws are just a touch formal, but this is usually buffet style. I'm really glad, listener, that you included that this is usually buffet style because it brings to mind some different dining scenarios that,、sure、that can be at play in this. Because you could picture, like, if, if you've seen the show Downton Abbey, in the morning they come down to breakfast at their own kind of leisure, and you know the food is all laid out, and they make their plate and sit for breakfast, and some stay longer than others. There's a lot of coming and going during this breakfast scene, and I could imagine a table like that. That and a breakfast scene like that, where it would be very common for people to eat and just go for it, while someone else might sit down and then say a prayer and then begin. Very buffet style. Yes, very, very kind of casual. However, I'm also hearing that in the the scenario that you're, I think, thinking of, that we have a host and a guest of honor, and I'm imagining more of a dinner scene, but it is a buffet. And buffet doesn't necessarily mean you start as soon as you sit down. You usually want to check in with your host because certainly people could all serve themselves and then wait for the host. But that also doesn't quite strike me as familiar. Even in my family, my mom's side of the family, we would do a big buffet style for some of our larger family gatherings. And you would—they often did grace, kind of like in the middle of the meal, once everyone was really gathered, because otherwise you had some people, you know, people were really waiting, and their food was getting very cold. And you—you want to kind of find that balance, depending on the type of meal that it is. 
If this was a meal where it was clear that everyone was going to be seated and dining together, and there's maybe only, I would say, four to ten people to get through the line, that's when I'm feeling really confident, saying, "Yeah, it would be polite to wait until everyone is seated."、Um, but again, this whole buffet style thing and not knowing the number of people present, it changes my perspective on whether this guest of honor was wrong to start eating. I totally hear you, and I was curious to hear the number four to ten come out of your mouth because I I had also been thinking that size has a lot to do with this. Okay, so I'm not wrong on that. I don't think so, but just my my intuition is that if you're talking about a smaller table where the wait isn't as long for those other people who are, I'm not even going to interrupt myself and not even call it buffet style service. Maybe it's just self service because buffet starts to create a whole impression that. You get your food. You eat as you get your food. It's a bigger gathering. Yeah. Whereas oftentimes, when you're planning to sit down and have a meal together at the table, people will serve themselves before they come to the table. And I think the, I like that you're differentiating the two. Types I know of we're parsing here,、is. but it's one of the reasons I like this question so much、yeah. because there is a disconnect between the kind of. Signal that the type of service is sending, and the expectation of the meal once everybody gets together might be creating. And for me, there really is a size question there. How、yeah. long is the wait between、yep. the first and the last person?、Yep. I have been thinking about, you know,、uh, four or five people, families maybe joined by grandparents. That starts to create the impression for me that everybody sits down and eats together. I would probably wait till everybody had been served. So that, I think that ten is kind of the top end of that for me. It's the number、yep. of people that are going to fit around one table.、Yep. Maybe might start to be where that cutoff would happen in my mind. I also wanted to address the the question that sort of precedes the scenario, which is who determines who? when to start eating—the host、yeah. or the guest of honor? It's the host. Yes, absolutely. The host, the host. is going to take the lead. Is going to set the expectation, set the standard. If you think about your most formal example, dining with the Queen of England, nobody picks up. The utensil for the course until the queen picks up the utensil for the course. You take your cues off your host, off the person who's leading the dinner. It's up to that host to pay attention to the guest of honor and accommodate them. Be sure that food is served well, promptly, warm, on time, and that you've given enough clues as to what your expectations are around things like saying grace. That people aren't caught or left exposed in some way doing something that. That was unexpected or is out of place. As a host, it is your duty to guide your guests, and so if grace was something that you really wanted said before the meal began, then you should let folks know that. Please grab a plate, make your way through the buffet, and then I would love to say grace before we begin. That lets everyone know your expectations for the whole table. Alternatively, you could say. Please get your food. Sit down. Begin once everyone is seated. We'll say a grace, and that's a way to let folks know. Please begin while it's hot. Now the host could choose then to before they eat, if that's the way that they particularly like to do it.、Um, if they like to pray before they eat, can make sure being the host that they're the last one served and they go through the buffet line last. And then even though other guests are eating, you yourself can wait to begin until that grace is said. So I kind of like the way that you can play with the timing, and you can even play with the allowances that the timing can afford to kind of get the balance that works for you, but keeps guests eating hot food, but still gets grace said. 
a final thought that I'd share is that if I'm approaching this situation, I'm thinking about in-laws, I'm thinking about expectations that are just a touch formal, I'm probably going to defer to my more formal behaviors and expectations. I would probably get that plate of food and wait for the host or the last person to be served to join us at the table before I began. That way I'd feel comfortable myself and even if the guest of honor decided to tuck in, I'm not going (laughs) to give the side eye. I'm not going to be critical of that, but I'm going to feel comfortable about what I'm doing. I agree. I agree. We hope that this helps and we hope that your family enjoys many, many lovely meals together. Good manners make people happy, and good table manners make eating together a happy time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our final question today is titled eloping after the shower. Invitations have gone out for a bridal shower, but after the invitations are sent, the couple changes their mind and decide they will probably elope. Do you send handwritten notes that the plans are up in the air and that the shower has been postponed? It would be rude to have a bridal shower when those people are no longer going to be invited to the wedding, right? Thank you so much for all of your sage advice. I love picking up lessons that I can apply to all kinds of situations. Thank you, Poppy Lady. Dope. I know, right? All is not lost. It could be much worse. The shower could actually have already have happened. Really, just the invitations have gone out, so you've still got a little bit of wiggle room here. It's true. This is this is an awkward moment because you probably actually have sent out invitations to a wedding if you're at the point where invitations to a shower have gone out because you have to know who's invited to the wedding to then be inviting people to the shower. So there is this this thing where the couple on their own needs to be reaching out to say that we've potentially changed our wedding plans. Once they've made the decision, the hosts of the showers then need to send out their notices that there's been a postponement um, and this party might not end up being held. And that's that's always a little tricky. I like your idea of a handwritten note, phone call, voice message, also acceptable. You know, getting to people quickly is always nice because then they don't buy the gifts. Um, thinking, are you thinking that too? Time matters here. Yeah, I think sooner it does. is better than later. I think it does. But I think that you really want to check with the couple about the wording because this couple is clearly not doing this because they're splitting up, and so you want to make sure that whatever you say doesn't indicate that the couple is not doing well, they just might not be deciding to have a big public wedding. Cousin Dan's giving thumbs up on the other side of the mic because that hadn't occurred to me. But yeah, no, it's not that the wedding's off. Right. Just plans have changed. But even that level of ambiguity might raise questions in people's minds that aren't real questions here. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's definitely worth it to be delicate with the issue and to make sure that the wording is something that the uh, guests of honors are really comfortable with. But we're in agreement that without a wedding ceremony, you probably don't want to proceed with the shower as initially planned. Correct. It might be the kind of thing where people decide anyway, and even after the fact, to 
do some parties or events for you. We talked about that in our last show. But it's not something that I think you want to you want to pursue actively. This is the kind of thing that if family and friends become so generous as to decide to do this, then it happens. It's that's kind of the attitude that's that's taken with this one. That was my very not traditional etiquette thought that I wanted to tiptoe up to the line on that it's entirely possible probable some subset of the people that were going to be coming to the shower would still have an interest yep. in doing something for you but you really Even want to just let that sending you the gift like that it might not be that a shower happens but they might say we really don't want to return the gift we'd really still like you to have it please accept it and congratulations whatever organic process that that happens by, I think you want to be ready to receive it well, however it, however it does happen. And I think it would be a pretty natural thing in this kind of a situation. I think so, too. Well, Anonymous, we hope that you get to celebrate in some way, shape, or form. But good work taking care with this one. Well, when you marry, you have to adjust to many changes. And I, I still had a job. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on Twitter, where we're at emilypostinst, or Facebook, where we're awesomeetiquette. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette in your post so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. We had a listener write in a few weeks ago about a situation in which mother and daughter were watching stepdaughter dining and stepdaughter is in the hospitality industry. And so they noticed that she holds her fork and knife, her utensils, a little differently. And their concern is that because she's in an industry where this is, you know, a part of the industry, is it going to be noticeable? Is it going to take her down a notch in other people's eyes if she holds her utensils differently? And the question was, do you correct someone about it when they're family and they're close? Um, and it was it was a real it was a tough question to answer for sure. So we have this feedback coming from International Adult Diner. Dear Lizzie Dan production staff and the whole awesome team who put the show together. First of all, thank you for creating a calm, easy-to-listen-to source of entertainment and education. I travel regularly and listen to a lot of podcasts. No matter how jet-lagged, frazzled, or in a hurry I may be, yours is always a soothing voice in my ears at any time or altitude. I'm writing about the dining advice that you gave to a listener's mother addressing the choice of utensils and hands that her stepdaughter uses. I kept waiting for you to mention the international element, that this standard of table manners is particularly American, and was surprised that it didn't get a word. Across continental Europe, for example, the fork and knife combo that the stepdaughter is using is the norm, with the American habit seen as unusual. 
with the hospitality industry crossing so many borders, from hotels to international restaurants, this seems like a potentially relevant bit of extra info. Now, as an avid listener, I totally understand that your show and institute focuses on American etiquette. I can only imagine the impossible challenge of creating a worldwide etiquette guide. However, particularly when it comes to dining, I've heard you pay careful attention to cultural differences, so I was surprised it wasn't raised here as a potential explanation. Table manners for a fork and knife in specific hands may be historically accurate for meat and potato meals, but would they necessarily apply to the international culinary landscape that we live in today? I'm not sure what the meal being referred to is, but I can think of ravioli, pad thai, tamales, or any number of dishes where the lines might get a little bit blurry. In a modern age where we're comfortable with international cuisine being adopted into our own culture, it seems like a sign of consideration and respect of those cultures to add a little more flexibility in defining the proper ways we eat them, or at least mentioning it as part of the issue. The one other thought this question raised for me is that the stepdaughter works in hospitality. I'm curious why the stepmother assumes that the stepdaughter is unaware of the trend of utensils in an area that she works in. If we swapped out the stepmother for a random man across the table, giving this advice to an area of another's expertise would raise red flags. I would urge the mother to trust her stepdaughter's knowledge and free will rather than doubting her awareness. She could potentially put herself in the role of student rather than corrector. I'm thinking something like, I was always taught that I had to hold utensils in certain hands, but I noticed that you prefer a different style. Is that something that's popular in hospitality these days? It's been a while since I learned the rules, and they may have changed. Keeping the light tone of sample scripts, of course, to avoid looking passive-aggressive, smiley face. <laughs> yes, indeed. As you often mentioned so beautifully in regards to food allergies and dietary restrictions, food is such an emotional issue. In this instance, my personal advice to the stepmother is the consideration to let the adult daughter eat in peace and the benefit of the doubt that she is making an informed decision that is seen as proper around the world and doesn't necessarily need an explanation. Thank you to the team for all the hard work you do and warm wishes of health and happiness to all of your families. All my best, International Adult Diner. International Adult Diner, thank you for your very thorough feedback. We we agree in a lot of places here, and especially in the case of that there are many different dining styles um, across all the cultures of this wonderful planet and different meals, even within those those cultures, have different ways of being eaten. But Teaser, our postscript. We'll talk about some tricky to eat foods. <laughs> this is true. But I do think that one of the the bigger consistencies is that there are proper ways to hold your utensils. There are very common ways of holding your utensils, and they're often based on ease of dexterity and ease of control and being able to use them really well. And without knowing the grip that this uh, woman was using on her utensils and without knowing the meal being eaten, it's very hard to know whether it was the right moment to be well, first of all, it isn't the right moment to be calling someone out on it at the table in front of other people. Given the relationship um, between these two, 
Uh, I know we weren't sure whether a correction was the right thing to be doing. I quite like the sample language that our listener gave here, uh, where she's saying, you know, be inquisitive about it. But I really appreciate that you closed it by saying, of course, you know, you need to have the right tone for this to avoid looking passive aggressive, because the slightest bit of this, especially in a mother daughter relationship, can be seen as extremely condescending. Like the chances are that this person absolutely knows that this isn't just a new dining style, but that this is a correction being made right here. And so this is it's very dangerous sample language, but it's also very well worded in terms of if you're going to go for the curious, here's a way to go for it. And as long as it's genuine curiosity, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. But you ask yourself, is it genuine curiosity? Am I really wondering about it or am I saying this to make a correction or try to get somebody to see something differently? I appreciate the care that you're approaching this whole situation with, that giving someone a correction about how they eat is a delicate matter. And it's one of the reasons, though, that I think it's worth thinking about how you would do it and in what circumstances or situations you would and between family, between close friends, if there's something that you think might be holding someone back or causing people to see them negatively. I think thinking about how you would bring that up, how you would talk to them about it in a way that allows them to see it and make choices that are informed and intelligent from their own perspective, I think is really important. So. Thank you for continuing this discussion. It's certainly a tricky question. Learning to use a knife the right way takes practice. Yet each time we do, it becomes easier. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to begin a three-part series that we're titling How to Eat. This is all material that's sourced from the 19th edition of Emily Post Etiquette where there is an entire section dedicated to – I won't call them tricky foods, but maybe call them the exception foods or foods that require a little bit of special knowledge or a little different approach. These are the foods we get asked about the most and depending on how they are served, they change up the style that you might choose to eat them in. And this is a wonderful appendix section of the book where it's in the back and there are all kinds of wonderful charts and, and lists and things in the back of the 19th edition and one entire section is on how to eat. So we are going to start with the A's and the B's and a couple of the C's today. <laughs> A is for artichoke, and that is where we begin. Artichoke leaves are always eaten with the fingers. Pluck off a leaf on the outside, dip its meaty base into the melted butter or sauce provided, and then place it between your front teeth and pull forward. The idea is to use your teeth to scrape the meat off the leaf. Continue leaf by leaf, placing discarded leaves on the edge of your plate or on a plate provided for the purpose, until you've reached the artichoke's thistle-like choke or the leaves are too small or meatless. Use your knife at a 45-degree angle to remove the remaining leaves and the fuzzy thistle-like choke, exposing the artichoke heart below. 
Then cut the heart into bite-sized pieces and eat it with a fork, dipping each forkful into the sauce. So you start with fingers, and then move on to to、uh, fork and knife. And that is if your artichokes are prepared with the dipping sauce. They are also sometimes baked. They are sometimes fried. So for those, you may be using a fork and knife the entire time. I love that moment where the big leaves turn into little leaves, and you can pull all the little leaves almost like a cone. The whole you can、thing. do it just like one time,、yes. maybe two, if you're lucky, because then you get a really good dip. It's so good. Next up, we have asparagus. It's fine to pick up unsauced, firm asparagus with your fingers, one stalk at a time, and then dip them in butter or sauce. But look to your hostess or dining companions first to see if knives and forks are the order of the day. Always use a knife and fork at a formal meal, at a restaurant, when the asparagus has been sauced, or when you are in doubt. This was a hot debate between my parents at our table growing up. One <laughs> is it finger food? It, is it finger food? No, it's not. Yes, it is. Well, only if you serve it like this. Okay, I guess we agree now. I mean, it was it was literally like that. Okay, so I guess we agree now. I love that. <laughs> Avocados. Avocado slices are cut and eaten with a fork. When an avocado is served halved, hold the shell to steady it and scoop out each bite with a spoon. When tuna salad or any other mixture is served in an avocado half, it's fine to hold the shell steady while eating the contents. This time. With a fork. I'm so glad that my two-year-old is doing this correctly. <laughs> you, you guys have had Anisha on avocados for a long time. Oh, she loves them. <laughs> Next up, we have bread. Oh, there are many ways to slice this. Bread and rolls are served either on individual bread plates or passed around the table in a basket. In which case, diners take one piece, place it on their plate or bread plate, and then pass it on. Use your fingers to break off a smaller piece. Butter and eat that piece before breaking off and buttering and eating another. Toast should be cut in half before it's served. Toast and hot biscuits and muffin halves can be buttered all over at once, so the butter has a chance to melt in. For fried or flat bread, naan, papadam, and puri from India and pita bread from the Middle East are brought whole to the table on plates or in flat baskets. Break or tear off a fairly sizable piece with your fingers and transfer it to your plate. Then tear off a smaller piece to eat. For whole loaf breads, when a whole loaf is served on a cutting board, use the accompanying bread knife to cut the loaf into slices for everyone at the table. Grasp the bread with the clean napkin. Ask for one if it isn't provided. While you're cutting it, cut a round loaf in slices rather than wedges. Start by cutting the loaf in half, then turn the loaf 90 degrees and begin at one side. Cut into thin slices. Again, that's if you have a wider loaf for something like a baguette, you would just make the slices rather than make the 90 degree turn. Butter. To transfer butter to your own plate, help yourself. Using the serving utensils, place the butter either on your dinner or butter plate. Then use your own dinner or butter knife to butter the bread. If no communal utensil was provided, use your own clean butter knife, knife or fork to serve yourself. When individually wrapped squares or plastic tubs of butter are served in a restaurant, leave the empty wrappings or tubs on your bread plate or on the edge of your dinner plate, not on the table. What about if you're two years old? Can you just eat the butter straight out of the butter packet? Yes, but no, but yes, but not encouraged, but yes. <laughs> Now we're moving into the seas, where I've got less two-year-old experience. We're going to begin with caviar. Caviar is traditionally served in a crystal or glass bowl on a bed of cracked ice. 
Use the accompanying spoon to place the caviar on your plate. Caviar is rare and expensive, so take a dime-sized portion. With your own knife or spoon, place a small amount of caviar on toast triangles or bellini, tiny pancakes. If chopped egg, minced onions, or sour cream are served, spoon these toppings sparingly onto your caviar. And finally today, we have cherry tomatoes. The trick to eating a whole cherry tomato is to use your knife or the edge of the salad bowl to hold the little tomato steady as you stick a fork into it. Gently push the tines of your fork against the tomato until they puncture it. If the tomato is large, cut it in half by using the holes you've just made with the fork as the spot to begin cutting. If the tomato is small enough to fit into your mouth whole, do so. Be very careful to keep your lips closed as you bite gently. They are notorious squirters. When they're part of a crudite platter, it's fine to use your fingers and pop the whole tomato into your mouth, remembering to practice squirt prevention. <laughs> I used to skip the cherry tomato instruction in the business course until I was sitting at a business meal and I chewed a cherry tomato and it squirted out of my mouth. And I said to myself, I'm going to have to stop skipping this. It actually does matter. It does matter. For as silly as squirt prevention may sound, it somehow ended up being the polite way to describe it. I do love this section of the book. It's one that we, we've we wanted to film. We've wanted to do all kinds of things with it. But I think that it it is one of those sections that's really, really helpful when you're headed out for one of those business meals or to meet someone's parents for the first time. And you just want a little refresher before you go so that you're not caught unaware. I am really excited to continue the other sections. It might end up being more than three by the time we're finished. It's a long alphabet. It's a long alphabet, but they they are just a few select foods that tend to give people a little bit of trouble, so hopefully this helps create a little bit of ease. Well, maybe there are better ways to cut it, but when you eat it in small bits, you can chew it better. It tastes so good, you want to eat every bite. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we hear from Emily. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I'm calling to give an etiquette salute to all the people that ask me if I need help putting my wheelchair in the car. I'm not the fastest, but I do it myself multiple times a day. Um, and I know just how it goes. So I pretty much always decline and uh, decline their help. And everyone is usually very gracious um, when I say that, you know, thank you for asking, but I've got it. They are okay with that and and move on with their day. So I appreciate that they ask, and I appreciate that they are gracious when I don't need their help. Thanks. Bye. Emily, I'm so happy to hear this. It's so nice when the balance happens in a way that makes you feel positive. You know, people are offering help. You don't need it, but you feel really confident saying that, and they are totally fine hearing it. It's nice when people don't try to push over the edge and insist on helping you. And it's also really nice not to just be ignored. Thank you for this great example of courtesy at work today. (laughs) 
that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share the show with friends, family, and coworkers on social media or however you share information about your favorite podcasts. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, now including Spotify. And please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.